You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. So thanks for joining us for this BJSM podcast on exercise and pregnancy. I'm Harriet Vickers, Assistant Multimedia Producer for the BMJ. And with me in our studio is Dr Bronwyn Bell, a consultant gynaecologist in Dorchester. So good afternoon, Bronwyn. Thanks very much for, for coming in. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for asking me to come and talk to you today. So to start at the beginning, what about conception? Is there anything with regard to exercise that women wanting to get pregnant should bear in mind? Yes, sure. I think the importance with any type of exercise is that um, when recommending exercise, we should talk about different types of exercise that women can do. Um, Aerobic exercise, strength conditioning exercise, and also stretching um, and sort of resistance training are all have different benefits um, and effects in pregnancy. So I think a combination of exercise um, is good in the preconception time. Um, It allows women to prepare their body for pregnancy itself, but also for the postpartum period um, when managing with a toddler that's running around, lactation is demanding. Um, So exercise preconceptually is very important. I think it's important for women to um, notice the why they're exercising. So to exercise to keep their BMI within a good um, range and within normal range between 20 and 25. Um, there's very good evidence that women with a, a BMI within normal ranges um, have less problems conceiving. Um, bearing that in mind too, the importance of nutrition alongside exercise is very important preconceptually um, and taking a multivitamin supplement um, preconceptually should be very important too. The other thing that exercise helps do is to reduce stress levels um, and those are also important when people are trying to conceive. So exercise Exercise should not add stress but reduce stress and and there are various different ways of exercise that women can achieve this by. So do you think GPs and clinicians should be encouraging patients to get down to a certain to a normal BMI and or to a level of fitness before they get pregnant? I think that's essential um, because not not only does it help to achieve the pregnancy but it also um, it makes way for a healthy pregnancy and, and reduces the complications associated with high and low BMIs within pregnancy itself both to the mother and to the fetus. Great so what about when a woman has conceived what, what are the benefits to her of exercising during her pregnancy? Sure. Um, I think it's important to recognise pregnancy as, as, a, as a very good time for behaviour modification too. So um, when you're not only thinking of the woman but the fetus, um, it's a good idea to stress to the woman the importance of having a healthy lifestyle of which exercise is, is one of the elements. Um, there's very good evidence for exercise in preventing gestational diabetes and also um, later on said type 2 diabetes later in life. Um, On the flip side of that, we know that people who have sedentary lifestyles um, and and high BMIs are more at risk of cardiovascular disease. So if somebody's exercising and has an optimum BMI, then you, you by definition, are reducing your risk of having um, any cardiovascular problems later on in life. Um, other benefits of exercise in pregnancy are that they reduce the um, what we call the minor complaints of pregnancy. So um, fatigue, um, varicosities, um, swelling, all of those kind of things are reduced in women who exercise. And along with that goes the reduction in stress and anxiety related to pregnancy um, and also a reduction in postnatal depression. So there are clear benefits um, of exercise in in pregnancy and women should definitely be advised to exercise in pregnancy. Great. So lots of 
benefits, particularly for the women there. Are mm-hmm. there any risks to the fetus? Is there any? Can you overdo it? In an uncomplicated pregnancy, risks to the fetus are, are unlikely. Um, but there are some things that women should bear in mind when exercising during pregnancy. Um, just to summarise, there's no evidence um, of increased rates of miscarriage or premature labour or fetal distress. Um, or abnormal placentation um, in women who exercise during pregnancy. Um, What women need to be careful of is increasing their core body temperature during pregnancy. So if they are exercising to keep up with hydration um, during pregnancy and to make sure that their core body temperature does not go above 38.5 degrees Celsius um, while while exercising. the other the other things that um, we need to consider when we considering the fetus in exercise is that um, the evidence doesn't really show that women who exercise have smaller babies. Um, there is a little bit of evidence to show that women might have easier labours um, because they are stronger during during the actual labour process. Um, but definitely, I don't think that there are as long as the woman is obstetrically well um, during pregnancy and doesn't have any other um, abnormalities, pre-existing abnormalities to her pregnancy, it's perfectly safe to the fetus to exercise during pregnancy. The other important thing is for women to avoid contact sports um, or sports like horse riding where they could fall off of their horse and do any injury during the pregnancy um, and and that could obviously cause um, risks to the fetus. Are there any red flags that doctors should be really looking out for or contraindications that suggest women should be shouldn't do exercise or should be careful about what they do? Absolute contraindications um, and these come from the American College of Obs and Gynes guidelines on exercise in pregnancy. Absolute contraindications would include um, somebody with pre-existing cardiac conditions. So if somebody's got a congenital condition that causes hemodynamically significant heart disease, so that's where the heart is is affected by the disease process. Also, a woman with restrictive lung disease. Um, in women who um, have an incompetent cervix, um, they should avoid exercising in pregnancy. Multiple pregnancies um, where there's already a background risk for premature labour should exercise under guidance. There's also um, contraindications to women exercising when they've got a a high-grade placenta previous, so a low-lying placenta after um, about 32 weeks of gestation. Um, Somebody who's got rupture of membranes already during the pregnancy should probably rest more um, during a pregnancy. And also somebody who's got high blood pressure during pregnancy. Um, When we talk about red flags, the important things, um, indicators for women to stop exercising or to seek medical advice when exercising would be if they develop any vaginal bleeding, if they develop any shortness of breath while exercising, um, or any headaches, severe headaches or dizziness um, that don't go away when they're resting, any chest pain. Um, any calf swelling because women are at increased risk of thrombosis during pregnancy um, and where there are any symptoms or signs of premature labour or premature rupture of the membranes, women um, should seek medical advice. They should also keep an eye on fetal movements and if there's any significant change or reduction in fetal movements, they should seek medical advice. Mm. And you mentioned horse riding and contact sports as something that women should avoid. Mm-hmm. Are there any other types of exercise or sport that are really 
no-nos for someone who's pregnant? Yes, the important thing other than contact sports is is something like scuba diving um, because the foetus can't um, adjust to decompression illness. So those are the two main things are contact sports um, and and scuba diving. I found that fascinating about (laughs) scuba diving. I was looking up the history of it and there were some papers that they'd use pregnant sheep yes <laughs> send them scuba diving and measure the... it's difficult to picture isn't yeah it? <laughs> but anyway good to know mm-hmm. um obviously pregnancy is going to cause a lot of changes to a woman's body is there anything that you would warn them about that that might affect their exercise or or any particular sports that they do? Yes, I think what we need to consider is the normal physiological changes in pregnancy and there there are a few things that um, uh, come to mind. The first thing is energy balance and usually from the late first trimester from about the 13th week of pregnancy a woman requires about 300 kilocalories more per day um, just to meet the normal metabolic needs of pregnancy so if somebody's um, expending energy um, exercising then they obviously need to increase um, their their um, caloric intake um, during pregnancy the other things to consider are the cardiovascular system um, and, the, and the changes associated with that. Um, an example would be um, exercising uh, lying down. Um, women shouldn't be lying flat on their back during pregnancy because it can reduce your cardiac return um, and cause lightheadedness and dizziness and also affect placental blood flow. Um, so. Um, supine exercise, exercise lying down should be avoided um, during later pregnancy. Um, Other anatomical changes, um, the ligaments are usually lax um, during pregnancy due to hormonal changes um, such as progesterone and relaxin. Um, So women are at increased risk of injuring themselves due to, to lax ligaments. Their posture will also change because usually from about the fifth or sixth month of pregnancy, you get a lumbar lordosis of the spine, um, which tilts the pelvis forward. um, And and that's what causes lower backache in a lot of pregnant women. Um, But those postural changes could also stop them um, doing sort of normal activities or um, if you're exercising, prevent you from being able to stop very quickly or start again very quickly. Um, So care should be taken um, with those types of movements. Um, The other important thing that I think we've mentioned briefly before is temperature control, um, especially in the first trimester. Um, So normally the the fetal temperature is about half a degree um, more than the mother's temperature, Um, but it's very important that the mother regulates her own temperature um, and an increase in temperature above 39 degrees, especially in the first trimester, um, can cause problems with um, teratogenicity um, and neural tube defects um, if fetus exp- is exposed to high temperatures. So it's very important for women to control their core temperature when exercising. Mm. Sure. It would be good to get some examples from you of how you practically in the clinic advise women. Sure. Um, so maybe we could take some cases. Let's start with someone who's they're really actually quite unfit, quite mm-hmm. sedentary and they've, they've just become pregnant, how would you advise them and get them up to some level of fitness? Sure. Um, the current guidelines suggest that women should um, follow sort of a gradual progression um, of exercising pregnancy up to a maximum of about 30 minutes um, a day. Um, 
it's really not different to non-pregnant women who are initiating exercise. Um, and really, prior to initiating exercise, they'll just need a, an overall health review and an obstetric review to ensure that none of the risk factors that we discussed earlier um, are, are present, and also just to draw up some kind of exercise program for them, um, telling them to look out for red flags, warning them about the risks of um, um, strenuous exercise, warning them about the, advising them about um, the nutritional needs um, related to exercise um, and also, um, uh, you know, managing their temperature and their hydration during exercise. Um, so really, it would it would just mean general advice um, related to advice we give anybody who's starting off a exercise program. Um, and really, the advice should not be different in, in pregnant women. Great. So no excuses just no. because they're pregnant. <laughs> And then what about a recreational athlete, mm-hmm. someone who perhaps goes running two or three times a week? Mm-hmm. How, how would you treat them? Mm. Again, if somebody is fit prior to pregnancy, there shouldn't be any need for them to change their exercise program during pregnancy because physiologically they would have adapted and, and the fetus should be able to adapt too. I think the important things are to consider the, the type and the intensity of exercise and also the frequency and the duration um, of exercise and and sort of weigh up the the benefits and the potential harmful effects. Really the advice is is to, when, when women are monitoring their exercise in pregnancy, there's different ways of doing that. You can measure it in sort of exertion levels and the Bjorg scale of exertion levels is one of the ways of doing that. The main guidance, I think the main practical guidance for recreational exercises to consider is to make sure that you, while you're exercising, can maintain a conversation um, with somebody. So not to overexhaust yourself um, and, and overexert yourself. When we look at what the American guidelines recommend in terms of overexertion in recreational athletes, they look at the intensity related to maximum heart rate and they recommend that you would exercise to within 60 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. And they advise that women who engage in regular exercise before pregnancy should exercise to the upper limits of that range and women who or haven't really exercised prior to pregnancy should exercise to the lower limits of that, that range, so it's to about approximately the 60% value of maximum heart rate. But again, as I said previously, the easiest thing, the most practical thing, is just to be able to maintain a conversation while you're exercising um, and then pay attention to the other things that we've discussed, like temperature control, duration of exercise, hydration. And do you find that women tend to naturally slow down as as they come to term or do you have to give them quite fixed aims about how much they should do? I I think the natural process um, pregnancy does make you tired and and I guess the last thing a lot of women in their third trimester of pregnancy feel like doing is exercising. Um, I think if it's it's a sort of prescription for exercise for the entire um, pregnancy period over time um, and women are aware of the benefits of exercising that might encourage them to continue their exercise program during pregnancy. So I think it's it's looking at the whole pregnancy um, uh, you know and not just looking at the beginning of pregnancy or preconceptually um, mm. and accepting that your performance level is going to reduce as the pregnancy progresses. 
And is that advice for recreational athletes much different to what you tell someone at professional level? It is very similar for the professional athletes. It's um, The difficulties with advising professional athletes is that if you compare a professional wrestler to a professional golfer, the effects in the pregnancy will be completely different. And those are the difficulties we have when we're advising professional athletes on, on how to um, exercise during pregnancy. I think it's important to have a plan of action again with the athlete from early on in pregnancy um, and make sure that you monitor the essential things that again you talk to them about important um, hydration levels, important nutritional levels, um, making sure that their vitamins are supplemented, checking their iron levels regularly throughout pregnancy because obviously mm. during pregnancy the hemodilutional effect and hemodilutional anemia might be more prominent in athletes, um, so making sure that they're not deficient in iron. Um, and, and really it needs to be an individualised um, approach with a obstetrician and an athlete, bearing in mind that whenever we talk about exercise in pregnancy, we not only have to consider the effect of exercise on the pregnancy, but also the effect of pregnancy on the exercise and the performance ability of the athlete. Um, and when we talk about the effect of exercise on pregnancy, not only the pregnancy, but to remember the fetus and also to remember lactation and the postnatal period afterwards. Hmm. So what about that postnatal period? What's the specific recommendations for, for that, that time? There are no real contraindications to resuming physical exercise as soon after the d delivery as possible. Um, we all know that there are many different ways of delivering your baby and um, a, you know somebody who's had a, a big bleed during their delivery and has had an emergency cesarean section will obviously not resume their physical activity um, as soon afterwards um, as somebody who's had a nice normal delivery. Um, so that needs to be considered but there are no contraindications to postnatal exercise and in fact there are big benefits to postnatal exercise um, in that the incidence of postnatal depression is reduced in women they feel better about themselves if they can resume physical activity resumption of pelvic floor exercises in the immediate postpartum period has been shown to reduce stress incontinence um, and bladder problems in later years so the importance of exercise in the postpartum period needs to be stressed um, one of the factors that we need to consider in the postpartum period is breastfeeding um, and the advice for that. General guidelines are when we're talking to women about exercising when they're breastfeeding is to exercise immediately after they've breastfed so that when they do exercise they don't have the discomfort of breast engorgement firstly and also um, there, there is a theoretical risk of lactic acid being transferred in the breast milk to the baby um, so that would be less if they exercise just before and the other important considerations are to make sure that the breasts are well supported during exercise, um, to make sure nutrition and hydration are adequate um, to maintain breastfeeding and also to consider the time it takes to bond with their baby and to breastfeed and, and, and fit that into the postnatal period. Fantastic. Well, I'd better let you go because you're <laughs> off to the Royal College of Medicine's talk on this topic very soon. But Bronwyn, thanks very much for, for coming in. Thank you, Harriet, for having me. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.